What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Las Vegas Phil Food and Social Podcast. This one's a bit different this week as we're featuring John Curtis, who is a longtime food critic in Vegas, does social media, but it's not uh, how a lot of people use it, more for opinions and things like that. I thought it was important to have John on the show, uh, basically because of Vegas food history. And personally for me, writing, food writing, print uh, has been a big part of my existence in Las Vegas. Um, I initially started on Yelp, I think in 2007 or 2008, and actually built a following uh, through Yelp. Uh, Before Instagram was a thing, I was consistently getting around 100 useful, funny, and cools per review. And that was kind of my way of keeping score. And I had no idea that it started resonating with people when I started getting recognized at restaurants. And when I went to Yelp events, uh, people kind of sought me out to meet me, which was really cool. And then that actually led to working in print. Um, Emmy Caston, who I met at a party at Venetian, I think in 2017 or 2018. Initially, I think she read my Yelp reviews uh, before hiring me on to write uh, regularly for Vegas Magazine when she was editor-in-chief. And I am super thankful for that opportunity as that opened up a lot of other doors as well in print. Not exactly sure if people are really into reading 1,000 word plus articles anymore. I honestly don't even have the attention span for a 20 minute YouTube video. So I do believe that being a food critic, having an opinion is important. But in my case these days, I I don't really view myself as a food critic. Being a critic means being critical and I'm never really negative on my social media accounts. I only post places that um, I genuinely enjoyed. If I didn't like the place and that's happened a few times, Um, I will actually just tell them straight up that the place sucked and here's why I'm not posting. There's been cases where I've given money back uh, for, I mean, uh, the company or marketing company would pay me for a post. I assumed I would like the food and I fucking hated it. Um, So I actually just returned the money and just said it's it's better to not lie about stuff and say it's great because I think that's very misleading to the followers. I think that's why People followed me on Yelp and people follow me on Instagram. But John, to me, is a very important part of Vegas history. And I'm looking forward to picking his brain. I'm a little nervous about it. And I'm worried we're going to go way well over an hour. But it should be a very interesting conversation. And I hope you enjoy. Our guest this week is John Curtis. In his IG bio, he says he's a legend in his own mind. But I think he's a legend in a lot of people's minds. Uh, When we're talking actually properly critiquing food in Las Vegas. He's where it all really started. As a resident since 1981, he has seen Vegas grow from the town that taste forgot to one of the leading restaurant cities in the world. And I took that directly from his bio. He was practically all of Vegas food media for years, starting in 1995 with weekly radio and TV appearances, which he then parlayed into articles in national publications and TV appearances on shows like Bravo's Top Chef Masters, where he was a judge in the finale twice and several episodes of Iron Chef America, among a bunch of other accolades and notable achievements that we could go over for literally hours. And to be totally honest, I know for a fact that uh, several people are irked that I am doing this with John, and maybe with good reason. I once heard a story from a restaurant owner that about how he used to have a dartboard with John's face on it. <laughs> but to ignore the fact that he's made such a huge mark on Vegas food and folklore is insane. I know the numbers don't really matter here because he's way beyond that, but this is a social media podcast. So with over 6K on Instagram and 11K followers on Twitter, John Curtis, welcome to the podcast. Happy to be here, Phil. Or do you call me Philip or Phil? What do you prefer? I think my mom only calls me Philip, but some okay. some other friends do just to be funny. All right. But yeah. I like Philip, it's so it's so I don't know, so proper sounding, you know what I mean? But nice to be here. Sure. I'm curious as to who's angry with you. for. I don't want you to throw an individual under the bus, but would it be other writers or, or restaurateurs or chefs or all three? Just give me a category. PR and marketing. Oh, and yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, restaurant yeah. owners. Yeah, well, PR. Well, PR and marketing. They've, they've hated me for years because I don't buy their bullshit. Yeah, but yes. Okay. 
but I, I get it. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm uh, I haven't been invited to a PR event, I think, in at least a decade now. So and I'm very proud of that fact. <laughs> and this is actually only the second time we are we're talking. Uh, we yeah. only met once face to face, and that was in November of 2019, where we had lunch together at uh, Shang Artisan Noodle with your wife. Yeah, I love that place. Yeah, and that was certainly one of the most memorable lunches I've had in in recent years. Is I was kind of nervous and extremely curious to meet you, um, and I believe I think I was the first social media foodie that you actually met up until that point. I you were the first influencer I'd ever talked to in depth. Okay, I'd bumped into a few, but you're the other one who ever sat down with me and like you know gave me the 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 is it the four the four one one on on. Uh, what was really going on with the influencing world, which I really appreciated. For sure, for sure. And then um, how has that been? How's that whole experience been for you at your foray into social media and all that? You have to understand, Phil, I, I'm a very, uh, I'm an old school guy. I mean, I, I like to joke with people now. I was the very, uh, I think I can say this with real confidence. I was the very first real food writer in Las Vegas to write about restaurants in a sincere and, and hopefully journalistic way. And I'm going to be the last food writer who does it. Okay. And uh, I got the bug back in the early nineties and I finally got on the air with Nevada public radio and magazines and, and various things throughout the nineties and the early aughts. And it all blew up and was a big thing. And then uh, the internet came along and more specifically Facebook and Instagram came along to kill food writing big time starting about 10 years ago. But it really, the mortal disease, uh, the mortal injury was inflicted around 2010. And now the patient is on life support and has been now for about five or six years. Thanks to Instagram and Facebook, where everybody migrated to. And uh, no, nobody wants to read about food anymore. I mean, some do. I mean, I have, I have my fans and my followers, but people would rather look at pretty pictures, which is what Instagrammers do. But I think having an opinion, having a, an unbiased opinion, being critical, I think that's still important, but perhaps maybe not in an, a form of an article. Maybe if it's just you doing a voiceover on one of your restaurant experiences on TikTok or something like that, I think that would still strike a nerve. Well, I have to I sound like your parents, but I, hate, I, I disagree. Well, you're, you're talking about basically reducing an experience, you know, restaurant experience, whether you're getting a burger in a place or eating a three course or 10 course meal is a long-term experience. Reducing it to a 30 second or 60 second soundbite to me is, uh, you know, just like giving people fast food, you know, and it's okay. easy, digestible fast food, which is apparently what the public wants. I and mean, that's what they're getting. <laughs> right. Not right. I try to cut down my videos to less than a minute now because I don't think people have the attention span for even 30 nope. seconds. So. Exactly. I mean, you're, you're a real pro at this. I mean, and I watch it with TikTok. I mean, and, and TikTok is fun I mean, on some level, but I mean, you're right. You can see people don't even want to watch 60 seconds of a TikTok. They want to be told, hmm, this burger is great. Look at me eat this burger. I love this burger. And that's it. Is there any room in there for nuance or subtlety or even negativity? Very rarely. Okay, so you also mentioned you feel like you'll be the last food critic, so that answers my question. Uh, food critic is a dying breed. Oh, yeah. I'm a dinosaur. I know it, and I know it. I've, I've known it for, God, a good five, five years now. Yeah. When Instagram, I mean, would, don't you, didn't we talk about this? I mean, I, I want to hear what you're thinking. When, when cameras, phone cameras got really good around 2014, and that's when it happened, they were really pretty crappy, I think, when in the early years, or that 2008, 9, 10 area, but they got really good around 2014. And when that happened, that just buried the written word. Not, and again, I appreciate your, your compliments and your, your kind words. And there, I, I still have fans, I still have people that read what I write, but look at the death of Bon Appetit Magazine, Gourmet. I mean, food blogs have all been subsumed by, by Instagram and TikTok and, and even Facebook started with Facebook. So the market has shrunk for what I do. And I, I can accept it. I mean, that's just what's going on. I just wonder, though, what will fill the void? And I start say that P-H-I-L, what will fill the <laughs> void? <laughs> so coming from me, I feel like, I mean, I used to be critical, 
I used to do all that kind of stuff. I, you know, on a way lesser level, you know, on Yelp, you could write one star reviews and trash the place if you fucking hated it. Yeah. But I, I feel like now I can't do that. I just don't post my bad experiences anymore. I mean, I mean, so. you're, you're an expert in your own right. And you, and I know just from talking to you, just being around you for a half hour, I know what a good palate you have. So uh, don't you think people want to know whether like this noodle joint is better than that, or this dim sum joint beats that one, or I had a great steak here and a mediocre steak there. Don't you think your public wants to know that? Absolutely. But, but, but let's Ruffling feathers is but, not my forte. <laughs> like it is yours. <laughs> I get it. Well, don't you? Okay, Phil, let me, I, I mean, I know you're supposed to be interviewing me, but don't, but what you're saying sort of, sort of reinforces what I've been saying for a while. The whole Instagram mentality and the Facebook mentality turns what Instagrammers do. You're just all PR people, basically. You're just marketing your advertisers for places. You're not really, and that's a beautiful skill set that you have very well and others do it really well. But when all you're doing is advertising, that's not the same as critiquing. Okay, so we're really talking yeah. about operating different universes, even if we have even if we have similar palettes and share similar tastes, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I could do negative posts on places and and dog them, but I don't, I don't know what the people love it though. People do like it. Why do you That's think true. people don't like me? I mean, that a lot of PR people don't like me because I don't get invited to see Gordon Ramsay, you know, cut a ribbon anymore or Giada pretend that she's a chef. You know, I don't get I don't get those invitations anymore because I don't play that game. But people like the fact that somebody says. You know, Gianna's not really a chef. And and Gordon Ramsay's just in it for the cash at this point. He doesn't cook. He's just here to lend his name and his his face to things so that Caesar's Palace can make a lot of money. And I mean, some of that, I think, the public still hungers for. But but what you do, they hunger for too. But I guess we're, what, what I'm saying is we just have different, we have different audiences and different skill sets. And my audience is always going to be about a tenth of your audience. I get it, you know. But I think people love the hot take. I think, I think that's important. That's still important in in food in Las Vegas. Somehow, I, I don't know. Maybe I got to figure out. Well, where do they get? Do it? Okay, if they don't get it from John Curtis, you know, old guy John Curtis in his sixties, you know, who's been doing this now for almost thirty years. You don't want to hurt your brand, of course. Uh, and I and I, I follow some of these great little and I call them little influencers. I I mean that uh, affectionately because they're young people. You know, I yeah. noticed. I've met some of them and they're, they're very enthusiastic and I really admire that. But, uh, but, but they're not thinking about food or the restaurant experience, you know, the way, like I walk in, I'm trying to, I'm trying to kind of dissect what's going on. So my readers can go, yeah, that's really a great place to go for this kind of food, but maybe it doesn't do that kind of food very well. The Instagram influencers look at everything with these wide-eyed, like like kids going to Disneyland all the time. Right, <laughs> <laughs> right. Like sometimes when I have uh, the, some of the younger influencers at Partage, you know, it's the first time they've had caviar, never yeah. had truffles before, a foie gras. And that's that's <laughs> yeah. a crazy thing. But that's what they their age of audience to them. I mean, none of them have had that, so it's well, kind of they're entry level. Yeah, you're the, you're you're entry level gourmands is what you are at at some point. Yeah. I totally, I get that. I think it's, I think it's great that that is, there is this entry level, but is you're, I don't know how old you are. Um, I don't know. If, I don't know if you're, you're 28 or you're, or you're 48. I mean, you look somewhere. I'm, in I'm 44. Okay. But um, yeah, you could have fooled, me. but, um, but at some point people will graduate. Your, your, your people graduate past that and they start becoming more critical. The trouble is, you know, I mean, what do you think of Yelp? I mean, I, I appreciate influencers for their passion and, and, and that Yelp to me is a great, is great, but I think overall it, it is destructive and it does more destructive things to restaurants than a, a critic like me could ever do. So what do you think of Yelp? 90% I mean, of it is a garbage can, poor writing, terrible grammar, you oh, know, yeah, all that kind of stuff. But I, I think, a lot of people on social media will see a restaurant and then cross-reference over to Yelp. Just get the overall star review so they have a, a better idea of, of, you know, if the post yeah. is legit or not. I, I didn't care. For, you know, I remember when Yelp started, I was on a, a panel with Al Mancini and some other uh, people who were still writing for magazines back when that was a thing. And, boy, the, 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 the Yelp hate was everywhere. 
you know, come on, guys. I mean, yeah, it's going to interfere with what we do, but it does give people ready access to to places. And I think overall, think of how much more engaged the American public is in good food and good restaurants and eating well. And I mean, you've got to lay some of that at the door of Yelp as a positive thing, okay? Because everybody goes, well, let's go to this taco place because, you know, blah, blah, blah. Everybody seems to like it better than the other one. I don't want to put the other one down, but this is what people want to do when they spend their hard-earned cash. They want to know it's being well spent. So I got to credit Yelp with that. I've never been as, and I agree with you, it's garbage. I mean, the the people that walk into like a Milo's fish restaurant and go, I liked it, but it was too fishy for me. You know? <laughs> <laughs> right. like, there, okay. They go into a really good sushi bar and wonder why they don't have California rolls. You know, I'm I'm sorry, idiot, but that's not, you know, you're like walking into a, 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 a the New York Philharmonic and wonder why they don't have Beyonce backup dancers. Working. Right, right. You know, that's Yelp for you. Yeah, but I think with a lot of digging, I mean, maybe that's the only place to find real critique. Yeah, but you, know. you don't you don't find it in our newspaper anymore. I mean, you know, I mean, uh, the newspaper, which our our RJ's always been abominable uh, with their food coverage, going back you know thirty years. But they they have these two writers, Mancini and this Naprinella woman. All they do, they're basically just another form of Eater Vegas. I mean, that's all they do. They just reprint press releases now, go to openings and say, oh, guess what? You know, Phil Zhang has opened a new pasta parlor, you know, and you need to go. And then they, this is what the RJ pays them for. And it's, I mean, you can get that shit on, on Eater, you know, or, or from Yelp. Well, I don't know why our, our review journal is paying them cash for this, salaries for this, but it does. When did that stop in the publications? When did the opinionated? That stopped at, at least two years ago. Yeah, Heidi Naprinella stopped. Her reviews were, they've been terrible going back to the early aughts. But, but they, you know, she'd all, you know there'd, be, there'd be great openings from Jose Andres' restaurant and Guy Savoy and uh, wonderful places, uh, you know, Japanese, Korean places opening on Spring Mountain Road, you know, and she'd be out there reviewing breakfast joints, you know, like, like, like Black Bear Diner, you know, and telling you that the pancakes were good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this was this was the coverage they've been providing to the Las Vegas reading public now since like uh, for 20 years. It was it's really embarrassing if it wasn't, uh, you know, it's nauseating to me. But that's yeah. So they they stopped that a couple of years ago, and now they're just now that now they're just press agents for the Las Vegas Strip. Are you familiar with Dave Portnoy? Um, you know, I, I'm sitting right here. In fact, I, I got a little behind in something else, and I was going to look him up. And I'm sitting right at my computer. So, hey, the wonder of technology here. I'm going to look it up while we're talking. You said he's the one-bite guy who... So he's the president of Barstool Sports, and he's oh, made he's a social media following on eating pizza. Oh, is this the guy who takes one bite and tells you whether it's good or not? Yeah. Well, uh, he probably knows as much about pizza as I know about basketball. <laughs> Okay. I mean, he's eaten probably, I don't know, there's probably like a thousand, at least a thousand reviews, probably more. But, really? Okay. Yeah. But he definitely impacts businesses, and it's obviously not a food critic like you traditionally think. But I think in some, in, in a way, he is the new version of a food critic. Oh, food critic of this guy. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> here he is. Attention, people in here, pay $10. But, oh, well, that. I, all, everything I'm saying has to do with sports, but apparently he does a food thing too. Okay, I get yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, one right. bite pizza. So, I mean, there's no young person that could be a critic because they don't want the negative stuff towards them. They don't want to be kicked out of a restaurant. Well, that's a you know. bad honor for a critic to be kicked out of a restaurant. It's happened to me several times. And uh, one, almost physically, from this French guy named Andre Rochat. I mean, he won, he was literally trying to throw me out and I just I was a little faster than he was and I got to the elevator quicker than than he could push me into it okay so Andre was the owner of Alize Alize exactly at the, the palms so physically he took you and put you in the elevator well he was let's just say that he was trying to push me into the elevator and I said I'm out of here you know I held up my hands like look dude you don't have to you don't have to tell me I I 
I tried to argue with him for a couple of times and tell him I was going to bring people to his restaurant, spend a lot of money, which I was at the time. I just held up my said, look, and, I'm, and I jumped in the elevator before. I think he wanted to literally shove me into the elevator, but I got there before he could he could push. I mean, he's he's a little little guy. I was I was never in danger. Okay. <laughs> what is it that triggers someone like him to see you? And is he just it is it a fear of being criticized? Well, it's pretty much a big ego and bad manners is what it is. It's both. Uh, the, in his case. I had been a fan of his and written glowing things about his restaurants. I was probably been a critic for six or seven years when, when I did, did it. So this was maybe even longer. And I wrote uh, one about another restaurant. He had multiple restaurants in town at one point. And I, it was a glowing review. If I read it to you now, you can still you can find it somewhere on my website. You would say, my God, this guy loves this restaurant. I mean, I mean, paragraph after paragraph lauding him for being a pioneer in dining, you know, saying that he brought fine French food to, to Las Vegas. He was, he was, he, he, he bucked the odds and made a success of restaurants when he couldn't over and over, paragraph after paragraph. At one point I said, well, uh, you know, his wine list can be a tad overpriced. Some bottles, you know, he's up, he's up charging you like three or four times what he should be. I remember there was a sentence there. And at one point I said, I asked the guy if this fresh was fresh and the waiter told me it was frozen. And I said, Ooh. okay, I remember saying it was a good, decent piece of fish, nothing. And that was it. You know, being a guy with big egos and bad manners, he saw those two sentences and it set him off. And then he started screaming at me as soon as I walked into his restaurant. And I, come on, dude. And, you know, so anyway, so I, I did, I, I did an article. I remember in a local newspaper and in, uh, on KNPR and, uh, and people still were, this was 20 years ago and people still remember it. <laughs> Me being thrown out of the Alize by Andre Rochon. <laughs> My God. All I right. So badge of honor. That I haven't that hasn't happened to me yet. Well, it's not gonna happen. <laughs> nobody be that nobody wants to be that um offensive anymore. Everybody wants to play patty cake about food. And I'm I'm sorry, but if, if you're gonna drop a couple hundred dollars on a meal, uh you're in, people are entitled to know whether this place is worth a couple hundred dollars or not. And and uh if you look on social media these days, uh, I mean, my, my Instagram uh, feed is nothing but restaurants advertising themselves and Instagram influencers telling you how great everything is. And that, that to me gets very boring and exhausting very quickly. And uh, so I, I'm hoping someone, I said something on social media about a year ago, I want to step down. I want to retire. I want to pass the torch to somebody. But I saw that. I remember that. Nobody, because I'm getting old. I'd, I'd like to just sail into the sunset and go live in Paris for a year or two and, and let Philip, you know, pick up the mantle of what I've been doing. <laughs> I'm honored. Uh, yeah. Maybe. I don't know. I got to figure out a way to do it. Hey, Philip, can I give you a, a, an idea what I would do if I were you? Sure. I, I'd, I'd get a pseudonym. See, here's what I, here's what I would do. If you want to write, but see, and this is one thing that I always talk about people. Part of what I do, and, and I don't want to brag too much, but I, I, I don't want to be falsely humble. You've got to like to write, okay? And you've got to be pretty good at it. You know, you don't have to be Hemingway, but you've got to be a pretty darn good writer to do what I do or what the old-time restaurant writers and food journalists used to do. And so you've got to like doing that. But if you do, or if you're willing to learn, what I would do a guy in your shoes or even any Instagram influencer, I would wear two hats. And it's so easy to do it now. I couldn't, you know, 20 years ago, I couldn't do this. But I would be, John Curtis would be the influencer guy. And I would say, you know, I would call myself, you know, you know, I don't know, Algernon Penning Rosewell or something. Some, make up some crazy name, okay? Right. Or an Asian name, you know, whatever. And pen everything that way. There was a famous uh, writer, a society writer back in the day. And he was, he was Greek. And he had a long Greek name, but his nom de plume was Taki, T-A-K-I. And he wrote vicious, I mean, vicious takedowns of society matrons and the way people were dressed and terrible cocktail parties and everything under Taki, you know, but nobody knew that he had, that he was, he was a different guy. He got away with that. You could really easily get away with it in these days, you know, just yeah. blog or whatever under a different name and never show your face and you can get away with murder. So keep that in mind. Okay. <laughs> No, that's a good idea. I appreciate that. If I was a younger guy, I'd do it myself. But I, I'm, I'm, you know, I just, um, 
I'm too old to invent, you know, an alter ego for myself. But <laughs> 10 years ago, I should have foreseen this coming and invented it. But then again, I don't need an alter ego. I, I've got such a big ego. I enjoy being me. So I would have a hard time uh, sublimating my gigantic ego to to the, <laughs> to the needs of having a uh, having a nom de plume. I love it. I honestly believe you do a much better job on social media than pretty much any other writer in town. Oh God, some of them are terrible, aren't they? Yeah. I don't want. I'm, I've named a few names, but there's there's some guys who do what I do who've been around not as long as me, but write for magazines and whatnot. And I look at their I look at their Instagram feeds and their the Facebook feeds, and it's just they they still don't have they have shitty cameras and you know grainy little things, and they just write dumbass stuff that sounds like some grandmother wrote it. It's just, it's just embarrassing. I mean, all they have to do is look at your Instagram page to at least get a clue how to frame things and how to present and in a, in a, in an attractive way that at least draws the viewer in, but they seem to be clueless in that way. Right. But I think, I think yours is good. And, and I feel like, you know, your posts do, get a reaction. I, I love seeing them. It's the only time I really probably get a lot, an honest opinion on a lot of the places. So yeah, well, I, 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 I try. I, I've never gone on Yelp. Do you, I mean, are you on Yelp? Do you do Yelp or shit? So actually I built my following on Yelp. I, I used really? to be Yelp famous long time ago. Oh, I didn't and know. Uh, that's how I got into so food, social media in the first place. Yeah. You know, you probably told me this over lunch. It's all right. It was a long time ago. <laughs> but I don't, I'm not on Yelp anymore. Um, I haven't written a review in probably a year and a half because I feel like my experience now is not the experience a, a regular customer gets. So I feel like it's not, it can't be genuine. Yeah. Oh yeah. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. Yelp, you, you, Yelp, you, Yelpers are for the most part uh, anonymous. Uh, you're yeah. right. They're anonymous idiots, but, <laughs> they don't. but then again, uh, yeah, I've never, I, I actually had a Yelp account once. I actually have a TikTok account. I, I, I saw that. Yeah, but I, I can't. TikTok is just too stupid, Philip. What do you think? I mean, it's it's really for brain dead people. I mean, it it makes Instagram seem like you know you're studying for a PhD. Okay. I mean, God damn, with the girls with the dances and the dumbass that the you know look at me do this dumb thing. Oh no, I've got something dumb I'm gonna do. Oh, here are my tits. Oh, here are my, you know, it's like, whoa. I mean, love it or hate it. It's just the way food marketing is going. I mean, there are so many new TikTokers that have blown up with 100K, 200K, 300K, 400K followers in Vegas that never had really an IG presence. Really? Um, yeah. How do they do it? Explain to me how they do it. So the TikTok algorithm to me is basically like a lottery ticket. Um, you could just be trudging along, just doing post by post, and then all of a sudden, TikTok just feels like blowing up this certain post where someone recently, one of my friends had, she had 1200 followers less than a week ago and now has 120K. So off of uh, one post that was seen by 14 million people. No shit. Yeah. It's fucking crazy. I have, I think I have 24 followers. Hey, how about, and I, half of them are my relatives. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, and I see the impact. I mean, I, I have clients where I've brought in TikTok uh, individuals to come shoot something. And then the very next day it's a line out the door. It's crazy. Do you um, think it's, well, now we can go down a rabbit hole here. Do you think it's more honest than Instagram? Because I have never been convinced of the inherent honesty of Instagram numbers. I don't think it is. Yeah. Okay. So, so some of it is ginned up, I guess, really. Is it, I mean, I'm asking, not telling. I'm just wondering. No, it is. It is for sure. Just like Instagram. I mean, there's certain accounts on IG where they post and I need to, I need to text them or message them after and really ask them for their honest opinion if they really liked it or not, which, which is unfortunate. Right. But yeah, I, I feel like, especially in the last year, uh, IG is kind of being pushed away and, and TikTok is really in the forefront as far as for food now. It's kind of, I know how you feel. I totally understand where you're coming from, but it's just the reality, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, do I mean do you people say to me, why don't you do stuff on TikTok all the time? I'm like, who wants to look at a 64-year-old guy putting shit shit on about what he's eating on TikTok? Okay. I mean I think there would be. I really do. Really? Oh gosh. Okay. okay. I think TikTok now is for everyone. It I mean, maybe a year or two years ago, it was really just primarily teenagers dancing. But I think pretty much everyone in 
everyone's on it. Their moms, their grandmoms are on it now. And, and so I, I think you would do really well that way, or, you know, it wouldn't have to be a full review. It wouldn't have to be a full restaurant experience. Like it could be. Yeah. I've done a couple. Yeah. Look at me. Look at me. This is really good. You know, much, much, much. Right. Right. Like that. Am I right? Or the Trump wine. I like the Trump wine TikTok that you did. Oh yeah. yeah. (laughs) You know better than I do. (laughs) Well, I got to do some research here. So, well, yeah, I mean, I, you know, but the other thing is I like to write, but all this stuff is just visual. And I said in something I wrote on my website last week that it infantilizes people. It's all visual stuff. It's just, it's, it's, it's sort of infantilizing our brains by taking us back to, ooh, Mikey liked that. Look good. Mikey liked that. Mikey looked <laughs> Mikey. Mm. You know what I mean? Everything is reduced to these simplistic visuals, which are great. I mean, I like a good looking piece of strawberry shortcake or a great taco or, or a, uh, or a woman's body as much as anybody, okay? But it, it, it's such a visceral thing as opposed to a cerebral thing. And and and, it, and that's, where, that's where we are. That's where we, everything's going there, isn't it? I mean, I'm, we're both shaking our heads because we both know that you're right. And I guess I'm speaking the truth too. And and, and, and you think it's, it's going to push, it's going to push Instagram into the background too? Yes, I think Instagram will eventually become Facebook and everything will be about... At this point in time, I think a lot of the food influencers are just in a rush to hit 100K or 200K followers and as soon as possible to make, to have some sort of uh, following and, and impact on TikTok because, you know, this time next year, I, I don't even know. <laughs> I don't know if Instagram will even be a thing. I mean, I hope it will, but we'll see. Wow. You know, I, well, I like what you said about it becoming Facebook. I find myself, even as an old guy who was like, not an early adopter, but I've been on since like 08, 09 Facebook. But yeah, I mean, Facebook is all grandparents and parents now, you know what I mean? Or old people arguing politics, okay? (laughs) I mean, I mean, I had, I had some titanic battles on Facebook over the COVID restrictions and everything. I went, I mean, uh, I wasn't shy about, about thinking a lot of things were overdone, overblown. But uh, and, and they were fun, actually. And, and in retrospect, people got angry and everything. I got accused of murdering people and all kinds of things. But but that to me was what Facebook has morphed into. It, it's not uh, it's old people arguing with each other or saying, hey, look at my grandkids or, hey, Philip, look at me. Here I am eating a good piece of pizza. Look at this beautiful pizza I ate. Uh, but it's very standard stuff that nobody, I think, under 50 is paying that much attention to anymore. Am I reaching the right conclusion there? I think so. Yeah. I mean, I haven't taken a poll of my friends under 30 that still look at Facebook, but yeah, I think you're right. Anyway, Facebook, I like Twitter too. Nobody goes like Twitter, but I have a big following on Twitter and they can be very engaging. I don't know where they all come from, but it seems to me I get a lot of traction on Twitter because maybe because I'm one of the few food people that puts restaurants out on Twitter when everybody else abandoned it for politics a long time ago. I mean, it really is almost super exclusively about politics on Twitter, but I, I just throw out all my restaurants and I get some nice, nice response sometimes on things. Right. 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 And speaking of Twitter and maybe some not nice responses. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this oh. is one of the, the legendary ones. Ah, Mr. Fucknuts, Anthony Bourdain. Okay. Is that what the one he calls me? Fucknuts? Yes. Yes. Do you know the whole story on that feud? I mean, my understanding is that they had a bad meal at a steakhouse and then you you were t- kind of digging into them to have some balls to, to call yeah, it out. That's true. I mean, they, and well, Bourdain's wife, who apparently was a nutbag all her own, okay, was sending out multiple tweets talking about how, what this horrendous steakhouse meal in Vegas she had. Not just one, it was more than one. And this is when t- Bourdain was not just ascendant, he was preeminent in, in, on Twitter and in food, okay? And yeah. I... Well, what year was that, by the way? I can't quite read that. Oh, no, July 17th, 2012. Time flies when you're having you fun. Imagine, not almost nine, yeah, nine I, years ago. Yeah, this one, Bourdain had blown up and was the biggest thing, in the movie, not just nationally, but also internationally. And he comes down, and suddenly I'm looking at all these tweets, and his wife is is bashing the, steak, the steakhouse. And, uh, and I'm like, hey, well, you know, where were you eating? So he won't tell me. She won't, you know, I respond to one of his tweets 
And I start calling around and I found out that they had been at Carne Vino and they had been at another place. Was it Oscars, the other one? Yeah, I think Oscars was the other one. Exactly. And so I start basically guessing. And I, I basically said to him, quit hiding by, if you're going to trash Las Vegas steakhouses, be a man and, tra- and tell us which one you're trashing. Rather than, I had this terrible, terrible meal and I'm not going to tell you who it is. So then I said, uh, quit hiding behind your skirts the skirt of your wife and, and be a man and tell us. And he said, Mr. Fucknuts. And I guessed Carnivino. I guessed wrongly. It's funny that I called Carnivino and said, yeah, they had been there. Okay. That's what they And I got told by the people they, yes, they had been there. So I'm thinking, why are you trashing Carnivino? Which at the time was absolutely the best steakhouse in Las Vegas. Hands down. I and, love and, that place. Yes. And so I'm like, so I guess wrong and kind of start saying this. Then he comes back at me with you, Mr. Fucknuts. You don't know what you're talking about. Like, I'm the bad guy. You know what I mean? You're trashing the state. But, you know, and so, and then I said he was hiding my skirt. He called me a name. I don't even know how it ended. I, one of us just, just, you know, it just stopped. Like all Twitter feuds, it went on. Like it was a fury of activity and then it stopped. But Anthony Bourdain, I I know people like him. He was an odious human being. I mean, he really was. And then he was just so nasty to people. If you crossed him like nobody's business. And I'm, I got in his crosshairs and I didn't mind. Cause I mean, what the hell? I, mean, I remember t- turning to my wife, now wife, then girlfriend going, as long as he's, as long as he's spelling my name, right. He can <laughs> with me all day long. Okay. And, uh, and then apparently he took it further. One time he was, but both he and David Chang later on, when I was not even thinking about them, they're still bad mouthing me in interviews or something like, you know, okay. But, uh, you know, I, I felt like uh, some local writer said, well, you shouldn't have called guest Carnivino without following up. Al Mancini said, you weren't being a good journalist. You know, like he's a great journalist. Like I said, look, I just made a guess on Twitter and I called him out and I finally got him to admit it was Charlie Palmer's steak, which at least, at least exonerates the other dozen great steakhouses in Las Vegas, instead of besmirching them, you know, with the, with, with the same slander. And, you know, it turns out his wife was a complete nutbag herself. So, you know, I, I don't wish anybody any ill, but he was a disturbed man. He, I think he was not a pleasant human being. And, you know, I'm sorry I had to run in with him, but I'm also not sorry. And I think a lot of people would pay good money to be called a fuck nut by Anthony Bourdain. Yeah, yeah. So my name right, dude. You know what I mean? <laughs> don't like me that's great <laughs> okay but uh, you know <laughs> and, Thanks I, for sharing I, that. and I, I have to say too i mean i guess in some way having done this now for almost 30 years here in town i also take a certain pride in defense of our restaurants here okay and if you're going to be a national figure come here and i take it a little personally and i feel like i need to defend you know places and, and you don't start using the same broad brush to besmirch you know, entire uh, an entire category of Las Vegas restaurants, and then pretend that you're not going to say anything, and or let your spouse do it. And as a restaurant guy, as a chef, he should have known that. And that's where that's that, that's to his discredit, not not to mine. Thanks for going into that. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> uh, sorry, Tony, but not sorry. David Chang. Now, as long as we're talking about yeah, might, might as well. So I was at this the infamous Yelp Elite events at Momofuku. I remember my friend, my friend who was uh, working with Yelp, rearranged all the tables so we would sit with David during dinner. And when and the was- first thing he does when he sits down is, "What yeah. do you think of John Curtis?" <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah. So I and I, I remember reading your your review. You were you went twice, I believe, two or three times in the first week. Right. Well, I went once right away, and I think about another week. I went. I went again. Just to just to, to be sure it was as bad as I as I thought it was. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so what did you say? Well, I you know, I don't want to throw anybody. So what did you said? What did he say? I mean, if you could give it to me, I'd love to hear it. The review was just fresh. So I don't think anyone w- had the balls or to give really an opinion. They just let him start ranting about what uh what a terrible review it was and what a terrible person you were. So. Yeah, that, well, he's and, and then he again he he said it on somebody's somebody else's uh, uh, a podcast. The podcast, uh, yeah. Or he he's like oh, he's just a bad guy. You know, I don't know whether David Chang is not a not a good guy or or a bad guy. I I don't I understand he's you know he can be a charming fellow, unlike the last guy we were talking about. I, you know, <laughs> Bourdain was only charming when the cameras were rolling. 
All right. But I, but, but Chang, I think probably is a, is a decent guy to sit down and have a beer with. Uh, you know, I don't like his food. I thought his, I went to his original, uh, the original Momofuku when it was, uh, right. I mean, a year after it hit, it hit big right around 2006. I mean, he opened in late Oh four. I think I was there in early six. So he was like, take it's just taking off. And I remember eating it going, well, this is, this is Korean food for white people. All right. And, and, and good, and good for him. He, and, and suddenly all these, the, the, the Ruth Reichels and the Mitchell Davises and the, and the whole New York food media was going nuts for David Chang's food because they'd never tasted a fucking bow bun before. Okay. Are they, 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 they didn't know what the, you know, the, the whole, the, the giant for the bosom, like, well, the bosom, they look at, there's a big piece of pork and they put it in a bun. And like, like, this is a big fucking deal, okay? Because a bunch of white people sitting in, you know, in their little New York City cosseted little food writing offices go, wow, David Chang is a genius. Well, he, he may, he's a genius because he figured out how to, how to appeal to the New York food media. And he's been living off, he's been sucking off that tit now for like uh, 15 years. And good, good for him. But don't tell me his food is that great because it's, it's just okay. I thought you enjoyed Major Domo, no? I did like Major Domo okay. better than any Momofuku I've ever made. And believe it or not, I remember he had a place called, um, he had a Vietnamese-oriented place in New York I went to once, Pesh, called Peach, Pesh. I thought, and, and it was sort of, David Chang does Vietnamese uh, Korean kind of food. And, and it, it blew me away. And this was back when I was still doing like uh, Iron Chef episodes. And I liked that quite a bit. But uh, then I go here and it's like, he's putting this salty ham. No, and by the way, Philip, nobody's a bigger salty ham fan than yours truly. Okay, you, you can't put, I don't care if it's a Yunnan ham or a Kentucky country ham or a prosciutto, the best prosciutto or a speck from Northern Italy. Uh, you know, Black Forest, I love ham. But you can't put that flavor on everything and, and, and unless you want to just fool a bunch of rubes into thinking that you're, you know, a culinary genius when all you're doing is, is sticking, you know, one flavor profile. And when you eat like the fifth dish in a row, you, you just wonder, you know, you know, who's zooming who here. And he's basically, you know, you know, the, you know, the, the Instagrammers love this guy, but, but, but his food is not that, is not that unique. It's tasty on some level, but it's tiring as well. Right. Uh, I love Momofuku to be honest, but again, I can't write a review because I get the red, I get the red carpet treatment. You know, they yeah. always, bring out special stuff. And so I don't think I'm a, a good opinion on, on that place either, probably. Well, you know, maybe, I'm not saying you can't like Momofuku, but if you eat that food a lot, and I, I've been, I was at the original, I was at the Sambar. I mean, I've eaten this food a lot. Yeah. And I guess you just get to know after a while, you, you get to know that profile. And as a critic, and if you're doing your, your, your legwork as a critic, you know, you are traveling a lot. You're reading a lot. And you're trying it, and just so you know. But by the by, the eighth or ninth David Chang meal I had, I'm like enough already. Okay, <laughs> that's all I'm saying. I mean, I don't hate the guy, but you know, think of something else. <laughs> right? right? I don't bacon. It's like a guy who just puts bacon on everything, and or you know, <laughs> and he still acts like kimchi is a big deal. I love kimchi, but you know, he's I, so that's that's where I think maybe I just had too much of it. And I think that as much as I love Korean food, it can exhaust your palate after a while. It, it can be very, um, uh, very strong and reliant on a lot of these umami flavors with a distinct lack of subtlety. And I think his cuisine lacks subtlety. And that's the that's probably the worst thing I could tell you about it. And not, not that I hate the guy. He might be a nice, fun guy if I ever met him. But his cuisine does lack subtlety. Very cool. So if it's cool with you, uh, we're going we'll go into the next segment. I normally call it the blow up breakdown. It's normally where I talk to uh, the guests about social media posts that blew up. But in your case, it's quite different because of your history of the amazing articles you've written and things like that. Would you be okay with reading one of your, your favorite articles? The bottom 10 from my Eating Las Vegas book always gets a rise out of people. Okay. Okay. So I've been writing this eight volumes of this book since 2011. Uh, we took last year, the last two years off. I may have one more book in me before I sail into the sunset. But what I do is I, I, I list the top restaurants in town, the top steakhouses, the top French. And a few years ago, my, my editor and I had the idea, why don't we do a bottom 10 of the ones you hate the most? Okay. And everybody seemed to lo love this. And uh, 
Uh, I'm not going to read all 10 of them because that would take too long, but I'll read a few of my favorite put downs of local restaurants. How's that, Phil? Okay, that sounds good. This is both dripping with venom and sarcasm sometimes. Okay, so and uh, keep that in the mood, take it in the mood to uh, the tone in which it is offered. Okay, bottom 10. Do you enjoy overpriced tourist traps, tired food, dated decor, handing over your hard earned money to celebrity chefs, phoning it in? Then Las Vegas has you covered. This city hosts dozens of the world's greatest restaurants, but it it also hosts more than a few half-baked concepts, licensing deals with name chefs and sad old war horses that all exist to separate the uninformed and the gullible from their cash. So here are my restaurants, the top bottom 10 restaurants and reasons to avoid them. Number 10, the Italian American Club. An old saying goes, the quality of an Italian restaurant is inversely proportional to the number of pictures of Frank Sinatra on the walls. Be advised, there are a lot of pictures of Frank Sinatra on these walls. A couple of these have closed. I'm not going to pick on ones that are out of business now, okay? Number eight, SW Steakhouse in the wind. If you're the type who relishes wearing a dog collar while being verbally abused after gargling with razor blades, as electric shocks are being applied to your genitals. You'll enjoy perusing this wine list and then paying the straight up your fundament tariff for overpriced wine. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, I okay. wish I could write shit like that. Oh. Okay. Uh, Pierros. The list of celebrities who have eaten here is legendary, almost as legendary as celebrities' stupidity about good food. Okay. Uh, and then, uh, Giada's I'll go to Giada here. Okay. Another licensing deal destined to rope in the rooms. Giada's face is everywhere except in the kitchen where it belongs. Of course, there are a lot of cameras around, which is what this place is all about. If Giada is a chef, then I'm an astronaut. (laughs) Okay. And we'll leave it there. Uh, hell's kitchen. I say you have as much chance of catching me at a Gordon Ramsay restaurant as you do of catching me at a monster truck rally. Okay. <laughs> I love it. Thank you. Thanks okay. for sharing yeah. those. I yeah, feel honored. Those are some, I think they call them burns these days or what are they, hot takes or burns or whatever. Hot takes or burns, yeah. 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 All so, the above. Those are fun sure. to write, by the way. But I, I, I try to only pick on the big boys. I don't pick on little mom and pops. You know, Giada and Gordon Ramsay are fair game. And Piero was fair game. But the little guy, I'm not going to pick on some little guy. So what do you normally do if you have a bad experience at a at a small restaurant? Well, like either a new one opened downtown here. Do you hear the one, uh, that Taverna one that opened downtown? Have you heard about this one? I'm I heard gonna, it, yeah. The whole name. It was, it was so atrocious that I was stupefied how bad the food was. And I was there with a restaurant professional, a guy who has managed restaurants on the Strip for many years. And he's a real pro in the F&B industry. We were looking at ourselves in the food and couldn't believe it. I did a tweet saying that the the, the, the build-out was nice, but the food was – I tried to just be nice, but saying food needs a lot of work. They're not going to succeed with this kind of menu. And then, of course, this guy comes after me on Twitter telling me I don't know what I'm – first of all, I love it when they say, who are you? Because, you know, they <laughs> And they go, who are you? What what qualifications? <laughs> I you know everybody thinks like I, I'm an, an Instagrammer that 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 picked up the influencer mantle you know about a year and a half ago. Okay, or, <laughs> I, I'm sorry, folks. I've been doing this a long time. So I go, yeah. well, who am I? And I don't like to burnish my credentials. I go, just ask around if you don't know who I am. And we had the guy got all mad at me, but that's all I did. I sent out a tweet and tried to be nice and tried to be a little supportive, saying, you need to improve this food or you're not going to make it downtown. Because downtown, as you know, Philip, is good now. I mean, there's a lot of, I mean, from tacos to to vegan, to pizzas, to formal food, the food down here is great. And if you're going to put out little plastic cans with bad fried rice in them, you ain't going to laugh. No one's going to go there. So. So that's all I try to do. Maybe I put out a tweet. I will never write a long review trashing a mom and pop. I wouldn't do that to anybody. I'll just, maybe I'll tweet something kind of negative and I stop there. Usually these days I'll just tell them straight up why it was terrible if I, tr- if I can. Yeah, exactly. So, and that's yeah. what, and I think they, see, some people appreciate that. If, yeah. if, if you say, look at, you know, it's not going to work. I mean, I've, 
I have a friend who runs a restaurant. I've been very big on, I'm not going to right now, but the quality has started to slack and I've been there and I, uh, and I've been there many times and I've got to just take this guy aside and go, you're, you're busy building your empire. Now you're trying to open multiple restaurants and the place that made you famous is not bringing the goods anymore. Okay. And I'm going to tell you this privately and then I'm going to say it publicly if it doesn't get any better because it's not worth the tariff anymore. And I think they appreciate the, the better chefs and the more mature restaurateurs appreciate it. The, the guy who owns this dumbass place downtown who just opened it, he doesn't have a clue. I don't think he'll be in business in six months. All right. So we're going to go into the 10 questions. Actually, right. it's only nine because you actually answered one of them. It'd be kind of rapid fire style, but we're just, we'll just go into a discussion yeah. if, it, if it warrants it. I'm a big, uh, I'm a little bit verbose. <laughs> yeah, oh, no, I love it. I love it. That's why you're here. All right. Uh, number one, what's more offensive to you? A cotton candy burrito stuffed with candy or a giant hoagie stuffed with pasta and cheese? Uh, the hoagie. The hoagie. Okay. The candy is supposed to be ridiculous. Okay. A hoagie is a serious thing. A good sandwich is serious. A cotton candy, who gives a fuck? Okay. You know, they're, they're supposed to be funny and, and absurd. If you could resurrect one restaurant from Sin City's past, which would it be? Good question. The Palace Court at Caesar's Palace. The Palace Court? At Caesar's okay. Palace. It was a jewel box of a restaurant, about 50 seats, right off the pool area. That was, uh, for a while in the 90s, it was the best restaurant in town. The chef was Laurent Torrendel, and it was a wonderful restaurant. Yes, very formal, very good. I'm going to look that up. Yeah. Um, okay. What's the second best country for wine? Second best, of course, France is number one. Right. I assumed you were going to say France. So. Yeah, yeah, Italy, Italy by Italy by miles. Spain is third, and I would put Argentina fourth, or or maybe Australia. I would put America sixth or seventh. Any particular place in America? I mean, is it still Napa or is it Washington or? Well, it's funny because in two weeks I'll be up in Washington, Walla Walla, Washington, back there for the second time. I love their Cabernets up there. Uh, American wine is very good. It's just too full of itself and overpriced. Okay. It's not as good as all the American winemakers think it is. That's the biggest problem with it. Favorite Las Vegas show of all time? Show? Yeah. You think I go to shows? The rest Do you, not, you, you don't go to shows ever? I, yeah, I've been to shows. <laughs> but I, oh God, Joe's okay. favorite show. I, it's been, you know, I, I, I remember the original, uh, uh, what was, what's the one with the Canadian acrobats running around? Cirque du Soleil. Uh, Cirque du Soleil. The original one, the original one, mm -hmm. the Mystere. Mystere, yeah. The, yeah. Mystere was great. I yeah. then saw Zumanity and I've been scarred for life from Zumanity. <laughs> it's the gayest fucking thing I've ever seen. Okay. And there's grandmas in, in the seats watching these, this gay fantasy unfold, you know, uh, you know, on, 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 up there. And I'm like, not, not that it was, it didn't offend me, but I'm, I'm looking around going, who is this aimed at? <laughs> who is the target audience here? Okay. Right. It ain't right. lost from Okay. But that's how <laughs> humanity scarred me for life. It did just crazy. All right. I could see that. And, and anyone who brings their mom or grandmother there is an asshole anyway. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. it's just, it, don't think, but boy, it, it ain't, it ain't for, it ain't Disneyland for families. No doubt. Yeah. So, okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. Fun here. No, no, that's cool. Um, off the top of your head, if you could magically bestow infinite success and fortune to only three local Las Vegas restaurants, which would they be? This is tough. I may, it may be, take a while. It would be Japanese. Okay. Because I have, I have a real soft spot in my heart for the Japanese cooks here. They toil in obscurity, and they are so good that they never get that. So one would be Kaiseki Yuzu, okay, uh, Kaoru-san and Mayumi-san at Ka Kaisuki, Kaiseki Yuzu. Uh, great people. Great, great people. I mean, great people. Uh, probably And probably uh, Yui Sushi. Yui Sushi would be number two. Number three, well, it wouldn't be Italian because... Everybody eats goddamn Italian food, and I love it, but it's just too much. Um, God, I, I have to go with those two. Three places, three places. You know, this one I didn't I, I prepare for. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to go with my with my two with my two. And you know, okay. what? I'm going to do 
China Mama uh, elevated our, our Chinese food in this town. So I'm going to go with two Japanese and one Chinese restaurant there to be like the oh, most famous restaurants in Las Vegas. Yeah. What was the last beer you remember drinking? The last beer I remember drinking? I went to Silver Stamp downtown, you know, Rose and, An and Rose and Andrew down at the Silver Stamp, and they, they poured me a, a German Pilsner that knocked me out. I, I love the Silver Stamp. I'm not a I'm not a beer drinker, but if I drink beer, I go to Silver Stamp. Yes. Okay. Okay. Uh, your primary job is of an attorney. Um, how difficult would it have been to do the food critic side as the only gig? That's a great question. It would have been impossible. I made a decision uh, 21 years ago now that I, I could have done it full time as a job, but it was I, I realized that I would have to work three times as hard for two thirds less money. And I decided then it would have been impossible. I, I, I like the income my being a lawyer provides me and I like the freedom it provides me. The things that we talked about at the top of the show about, you know, how you can not be, you know, being a lawyer and having an independent means of income gave me the intellectual and financial freedom to be honest about what I write about. OK, and so uh, doing it the other way and I, I do it now because I love it, not because I need it. And that, that's a big difference for me. What are some of the things you miss about, about the you miss most about the old days in Vegas? I remember uh, the, the the good restaurants, the up the, the better. And we're, we're very happy to see you. And it wasn't just a numbers game. It was it was, there was a graciousness to the restaurants that is that's it's hard to it's hard to be gracious when you're a place like Bizarre Meat, or and I'm not putting these places down. I mean, at Rayos. I mean, good restaurants with fabulous food. But when you have 350 reservations in the night, you know what I mean? When you are hundreds of people are coming through every day, there's a certain old school uh, uh, savoir faire that gets lost. You know what I mean? Then they try and, you know, you're recognized in restaurants like I am. And it's Mr. Curtis. Thank you. And I get I get uh, intensive care service all the time. But it, it's a giant numbers game now. And I miss that 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 sense of old school, old world graciousness that you got at places like, you know, the, the steakhouse at the Sahara or the, the Monte Carlo room at the desert Inn. Now it's just about, Oh, you're great. Fine. I get up because there's 10 more conventioneers ready to take your spot. That's what I miss. That's what I miss that graciousness. So, I mean, that about wraps it up for the podcast. John, anything else you want to talk about? No, no, I think I mean, we do. I mean, I could, I could, you know, I go on and on. I mean, I, I love the, you know, you, you covered the thing. I, I didn't mean to trash Instagram and what influencers do, but I think that, uh, you know, I, it, it saddens me that restaurant uh, talking about restaurants has devolved into like uh, chewing gum for the eyes. Everything is just visual now. I, I wish people thought more about it, but I do think on the other hand, I want to be honest in, in closing. I want to say that I love the fact that what you do and what influencers done what Facebook and Instagram done has it's the tide has risen, has raised all boats. Okay. People are so much more into eating well, whether it's at home or in restaurants than they were 20 years ago. And then that's because of the internet and what it's done. So I, I, I can be cynical about being a dinosaur, but I also, when I go to bed at night, I go, man, it is possible to find good restaurants in Las Vegas or Phoenix or Omaha, Nebraska now that did not exist, you know, 20 years ago. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy about that. And I, so in that sense, I think my work has been done. What I started trying, the ground I started plowing in the early nineties has borne fruit. And I'm happy about that. So thank you. For sure. Well, thank you for all your contributions to Vegas and Vegas history. I love, I love it all. So uh, check John Curtis out at eatinglv.com and also on his IG, Twitter, and TikTok at John Curtis. Get me more than 24 followers, please. <laughs> All right, let's do it. So, and then also his book, Eating Las Vegas, where he lists the top 50 restaurants in Las Vegas, which is published uh, every once in a while. You said you had one more book in you. When do you think that would happen? Well, well, I, I, the, the writing is always the summertime for, for publication in the late fall. So I didn't do it this year because everybody's just ramping up again. A year from now, I'll probably be writing my last my last uh, edition of Eating Las Vegas. It will, and, and then it'll be it'll be probably 2022, uh, 2023 will be my last edition. That's what I'm going to do. But in the meantime, I'll okay. keep pecking away on my blog and and on social media. And I 
appreciate it. And you and I need to go to dinner or lunch again, Phil, sometime soon. Okay. Absolutely. I would love that. My wife would actually love to meet you. We'll do it soon. Uh, very good. Thanks for tuning into the Las Vegas Phil Food and Social Podcast. For more information about me and where I've been dining recently, check out my Instagram and TikTok at Las Vegas Phil or feel free to drop me an email at lasvegasphil at gmail.com. Stay tuned as a new episode of my show debuts each week on the Eat, Drink, and Dine podcast network every Wednesday at noon. Super excited for my next guest who will be Raina Huang, aka Raina is Crazy. Uh, the queen of uh, eating food, all kinds of food. Uh, can't wait to get into it with her. Uh, see you next week.